this football team doesn't exist anymore. They sure don't exist on the field. I mean, man, when they do. They do, because we got that memory. We from back in the day when they were winning them Super Bowls. But some of the people in here and some of the people watching, that team has been sorry since they've been born. So I apologize for that. We had some glory days, and now the name has changed. But this mask really serves me, so uh, yeah, I can breathe through it and talk through it. But I'm taking it off for this purpose right now. So um, if you have your Bible app or your Bible, you can open to Colossians chapter 3. Um, we're not going to read it yet. Um, as you turn it, let me let you know that the letter that was written to the church um, at Coloss um, was written by the Apostle Paul, but it was a church that he did not plant. One of his uh, ministry disciples, Epaphras, planted the church. Uh, the city was influenced by Greek philosophy, which in turn influenced the church along with elements of Jewish spirituality. Paul wrote the letter to combat these uh, false doctrines so as to prevent the Colossians from trusting uh, anything above Christ. Chapter 1 is a uh, verse 15 beautifully communicates the preeminence and the sufficiency of Christ, um, especially um, as it relates to trusting in other things such as actions or, or asceticism, which is the belief that we attain greater spirituality and moral morality when we, um, through self-denial. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul addresses those things, but at the end of chapter 2, he begins to turn to more, uh, more practical ways of living for the church at Colossus. So that's a little bit of background about the church at Colossus. We're going to, to, to read most of uh, chapter 3, not all of it, but most of it or uh, part of it. Um, but I'm just going to press pause. That's, that's, that's background on the book of Colossians. As you know, we are in the midst of a series um, called What's Love Got to Do With It um, for reasons that Pastor Kurt laid out in great detail last week. Um, so if you want those details and really a chronicle of the teaching that we've been receiving since the pandemic, you can go back and, and, and review last week's teaching. You can find it on our uh, website. Um, but I would say that one of the greatest deficits that the American church has is that of love. We have been careful to give ourselves over to making sure we have sound doctrine. And we ought to. But not at the expense of love. As has been, as has been stated, and you can read it in your own, in your own Bible, uh, if, if you don't have love, you have to call into question whether or not you, you even know God. John says that, you know what, if, if you cannot even claim to love God who is invisible while not loving people that you see. He was talking especially of the brothers and sisters but we know that Jesus said that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. 
And someone, when Jesus said that, willing to just trying to justify themselves, said, who is my neighbor? And then we have the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? So it doesn't just say like all of the brothers, only brothers and sisters are neighbors. Obviously, brothers and sisters are brothers and sisters. And as we know from Galatians 6, 10, we are to, as we have opportunity, we're to do good to everyone, especially those of, of the household of faith. So there are different categories, but the call to love is not just restricted to the church itself. We are to be loving. And so we've heard as we have gone throughout this series that for some, not all, and I don't know who and who this does not apply to, but how to love is elusive. What does it look like? How do I love people? Like, what does that look like in practical terms? Give me a one, two, three, four. Give me a flow chart for what love looks like. Oh, that would be great if we had one, but we don't have a flow chart. But I believe that the chapter that we're going to look at or the section of this chapter that we're going to look at will help us. The reason I gave you the background on the, on the book is if you want to read the book, you should read through the book. But we're not using the passage. Um, uh, it, it, we're using the passage as a case study in how we can access love. So to get some practicality into uh, what not only what love looks like but also to encourage you that each one of us who knows the Lord can love without make a left turn after the light make a U-turn in two, two miles up the road we don't need a navigation system to love Think about the relationships that you already have. You don't have a navigation system for that. Right? I don't wake up and, 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 and say, okay, um, I need to say I love you three times to Karen. At 12 o'clock, I'm going to kiss her. Um, I'm we don't have that. It's, 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 it flows from something, as we will see. So we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 5. And then we're going to pray. And then we're going to look at these things. These are things we're going to look at. Briefly, the simplicity of love, the complexity of love, the fight for love is where we'll spend most of our time. Beginning in verse it says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following. Anger. Wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek 
and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If any has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Father, we come before you and we ask you that you would please, um, that you would speak to your people. Thank you for your word that has already spoken to some degree. Uh, now, I ask you that you would please use me. I pray that you would please increase and that I would decrease. I pray that if there's anything said amiss, anything that is uh, not what ought to be stated, I pray that you would allow those words to fall to the ground and to fade away. But Lord, I pray that you would use this time to speak through me and I pray that you would do what only you can do. Only you can speak to the diverse spectrum of, of hearts that are in this room and that are watching via live stream. Would you please Speak your word to us all, beginning with myself. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have fruit in our lives as it relates to being a loving church. Lord, for truly, as we have, were able to recount yesterday, and as those of us who have been here for years, Lord, have, we are able to remember, Lord, you have allowed us to in some ways be exemplary in love amongst ourselves. <clears throat> Not that we cannot grow, but Lord, as Pastor Kurt said last week, we are not exempt from our love being tested. And tests reveal what's in us. And so Lord, when the test of loving comes our way, may the genuineness of our faith come forward which is a much value, more value than gold. So, Lord, we want to glorify you. So I pray that this message would contribute to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to ask if someone who has uh, a key or access to a key, if you could please bring me uh, uh, some water, a, a bottle of water, please. Um, so we ended on verse 14. It says, and it says, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now, there are a lot of good virtues that were mentioned prior to verse 14. But Paul says, above all of these things, that, that love is what we need to put on and that love is the perfect. It's not, there's no imperfection in love. Now, our love might be tainted, but, but the love that Paul is talking about because of the source of the love is the perfect bond of unity. And so we have to just remember this about love. And that, this is why it's so important. Thank you, sweetie. I'm calling her, for those who might be guests, I'm calling her sweetie because that's my wife. So, uh, so, yeah, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, 
but above all these things, above above humility, above patience, above compassion, above gentleness, above kindness, love is above them all. I mean, this just confirms what 1 Corinthians 13 says, right? You know, hey, uh, faith, uh, oh my goodness, faith, I'm, I'm the King James, I'm just having a collision right now. King, I got charity running through my mind. Uh, so, that, so there's faith, hope, and love. And the one that will remain, and the greatest of these is love, right? So Paul is just saying the same thing, same, same author, but he's saying it differently because these folk need to know, uh, need to hear from this perspective. So love is above all. So if we are not, if we don't know how to access love, if we don't know what love is supposed to look like from us, and it's, it's preeminent as God's people, then we're in trouble. So we want to make sure that we are able to, to, to help us to process what it means to love so that we are able to love in the way that God calls us to. Love is the glue that holds all of these virtues mentioned together, the ones mentioned in this passage. Love binds everything together because all of these virtues together because it flows from the love of God who informs our own love, and we'll see that. And this is, pro- this is probably the main, for me, the, 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 the main thing I would, that I would want you to get and that I want to get. It's not just you. Love binds together because the love of God expresses itself in love for us and love loving, excuse me, through us. So God's love expresses itself by loving you and then by his love expressing itself through you. So if you come remember, uh, we were talking about God's glory um, in the recalibration series. And we talked about how to come in the presence of God and to experience to come in contact with the glory of God. When the glory of God touches you, his glory flows through you. Case in point is Moses, who's, who's with God, right? And he's with God for a long time, and he's, he's beaming so much so that he has to put on a veil because the people, uh, the Israelites were afraid of him. So he had to, to, to kind of suppress the glory of God because they could not handle it. Now, none of us are, are on that level. We ain't seeing God like that. But if we've experienced the love of God, the love of God should flow through us to other people. So before we get to how we access the love that perfectly binds all things things together, all these virtues, I want to encourage you, this is not, this is not, this is, this is not necessarily from what I'm going to say right now is not, you can't like see that right now in the passage. You may be able to see it afterwards. But this is just a general philosophical about love. There's a simplicity to love. Uh, my grandkids who were here, if you ask them, uh, they call me man, by the way, so they don't call me granddad, they get to call me man. So if you say, does man love you? Then they're not going to have to think about whether or not man loves them. I'm man. So again, I'm man. So if you say, hey, does man love you? They're not going to have to think twice. They're going to know that I love them. 
Can they define love? Can they define it? Can they? Josiah, no, can't write because he's like three. But Mahala, if you if, if say, Mahala, write the definition of love down, would she be able to do it? She wouldn't be able to write a definition. But she knows what it is to experience love. And love is that simple that you don't need to, you don't, you don't need to know how to define it to know when it's present or when it's absent. It's something that we, that we know is there or we know is not there. Right? So even without a definition, we know like, oh, that's love right there. And we learn that early. We learn that as, as little kids. We, 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 we understand that the person who feeds us, that that person must love us. The person who responds to my cry figures out what's wrong, takes care of me. That person loves me. So before I know what a definition is, and this happened with each and every one of us, we know what love is in terms of, from an experiential perspective. We may not know it from an academic, but we recognize it and appreciate it. So that's when, when the grandkids come to our house, the first thing they do is say, Grandma! I'm talking about they scream that word out. Why? Because Grandma does everything. And I remember when I went to my grandmother's house, it was the same way. It was the same way. It was the same way. So there's a simplicity to love that does not require we know how to define it properly to know how to recognize it. So we don't need to know the definition to recognize it or to appreciate it. So it's not in one respect it's not hard. But there is definitely a complexity to love. I went to see like, you know, if I put in love in books on Amazon, how many books would come up? Well, there was too many. I, did, I, I just looked at two pages and I saw that they were over 20 pages and I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm not messing with it. But listen to some of the titles. Quarantined with you, a pandemic, a pup, and love. Peas, as in the green things you eat, love and carrots. That's the title of a book. Yes, I don't know what it's about either. The five love languages. Love is free, guac isn't. No, I like guac, it's definitely not free. Love is the way. Now I chose to include love is the way because it was another, it was another uh, book that's, you know, it, I think it comes from like, you know, uh, I, I didn't review it, but it, looked, it was from a bishop. So I think it was, it was talking about, like, God's kind of love. But most of the books on love were not Christian books. Most of the books on love were either about, were, were mostly about romantic relationships. They were about, yes, they were about food. 
They were about other relationships that may not be romantic, but they were not talking about love, the love of God and what the love of God does and how you access that. They weren't talking about that. So there's this complaint. And when I looked up the definition of love using dictionary.com, there were over 25 definitions. Uh, you know, they were related, but they were, they were just 25 ways to, at least more than 25 ways to express the sentiment. So there is a complexity when it comes to trying to figure out, like, what, what is love? How do I do it? What, what's the right way? And, and, and that question as, as, as that question can be a good question. Because it indicates a desire to love in the correct way. That question, though, could also be like so many. That's just like, man, you know what? I, I, it's too much for me. So I pray and trust that where we go from here, Knowing that love, there's a simplicity to love, but there's also a complexity to it because we live in the culture in which all of those books can be written. We live in a culture where those over 25 uh, uh, references to the same word is like what people could be talking about. So there is complexity. So in the midst of all of that, just swirling around us, right? Do you mean this? Do you mean that? I think Pastor Curtis already showed what's meant. He has shared his definition uh, a few times. But what I want to do is help you to fight to access love. Because you do have access to it. Think of yourself as scripture describes you. If we are the temple of the living God and the Holy Spirit is... This is an illustration. It's not, it's not like me. I mean, it's going to have biblical truth mixed in there, but, but, but the Holy Spirit comes and he resides in us. He has set up, he has given you access to love as part of one of the attributes of God. He has also set you up this is an illustration, right? So, so just bear with me. This, this is not scripture, so don't speak like the Bible says this because it doesn't say this. But I'm trying to help us to process how we have access to love and the encouragement that we can do this. If we imagine ourselves as a house or as a temple and with different parts in it, there is a closet or there's a room that has the love of God in it that we can access. So, and, and I went, we had a great time going over to the Gregory's house, my wife and I, and, and we got to see their, their condo. And one of the most impressive parts of their condo, what y'all say? Because I need to ask for permission. Can I, can I talk about your house? Yeah, okay, right, thank you. Um, yeah, man, there were dishes. No, there weren't any dishes. They, the dishes was because Manny was cooking. But one of the most impressive parts of their house is that walk-in closet, man. See, see, let the church say me. This closet is nice. There were obviously a lot of shoes in there, but they were clothes, right? If you're a person like myself and you see a closet like that and your wife has shoes like mine, my wife has, you're like, man, we could actually really share this closet right here. The 
Today, I, I, I selected what I was wearing, right? Every day, you know, that, that can be like a major production, uh, not major. Uh, but, 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 I, but I have choices, right? So I can wear jeans if I desire to. I can put on a vest if I want to. I can wear a tie if I'd like. I can get a T-shirt. I have, a, you know, some, some shoes, different kinds of shoes that I can choose to wear, and they're in my closet. When I desire to access whichever pair of clothes I want to wear, I go into that closet and I grab what I want to wear because I've already purchased it. But when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, we've experienced the love of God and we've been deposited the love of God within us. Therefore, we're able to access the love of God like I'm able to do if I walk into my closet or if I had a big closet like this, if I were walking into that closet. Not just me, but everyone who has the spirit of God. And this is why Paul can say above all. Not because you need to get it, but because you and I already have access to it. But it's not like a walk-in closet. Because after I've purchased my clothing and put it in there, no one's resisting me. My wife isn't like standing at the door like saying, nah, hey, what's the password? She, she's not doing that. But when it comes to love, there are challenges to love. Therefore, we are told, and this is how we're, now we're getting to the crux of what we want to say. We have to fight to love. We have to fight for love. This passage is a very violent passage. Verse 5, therefore put to death. Put some things to death. So it lists the things we're supposed to put to death. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil, desire, and greed. We're also to put, put off these other things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from our mouths, lying to each other. Those are things that we're supposed to put off. And then we're supposed to, we, we put those things off because we are being renewed, verse 10. Sticking with the closet. And helping us to think a little less violently. When you think of putting to death, just think of taking off your clothing. And when you think about loving, then you should think in terms of putting something on. So what are we putting on? Put off, put on. Put off, put on. That's the secret or the key, rather, to maturity, maturation in Christ. There are some things that as believers we have to put off. If we want to grow in loving people, there are some things that we have to put off. I mean, for me, it can just be, it can be something like responding in ways that make sense to me. To someone, I'm, I'm sorry, now mind you, no one else is with me. If someone cuts me off, 
there immediately comes an opportunity to put some stuff off. Immediately. Or, even more recently, <clears throat> I met with somebody at, at, a, at a, a, a Dunkin' Donuts around my way. I walked there, walked home. On the way home, I'm walking along Kenilworth Avenue, and there are a lot of ways you can turn into where I'm walking. And so, <clears throat> I'm walking, and this red car must not have saw me because he just came like nobody was walking. And I didn't see, see him either. It was kind of dark. I didn't have anything bright on, at, I don't think. But then right after him, a black car came, and that car came with such speed and so close that when he saw me, I think I'd already braced myself for impact. And I didn't know it at the time, but as I walked, I just, saw, I just felt myself like detense. Now, mind you, this person's in the car. I'm, oh, Lord, yeah. This person's in the car, and I'm, I'm like on my, on, on my feet, right? So they come, and then they stop, and then I'm like, then, then I act like I can do something. I'm like, so I ain't saying, I'm like, man. Like how, then, then I walk, and I'm like, man, what? Like, what was that? What was that? Was I, did I want to fight him? Did I want to? Rather than, like, being grateful that I didn't get run over, <laughs> what rises in my heart is, man, what you doing? Yeah. What's wrong with you? And it's not like I haven't ever almost hit someone myself in the car while driving. <laughs> ah. Yes, I remember this woman, man. I was driving. I, on, I, I didn't see her. This was early on when I was driving, too. I was supposed to stop. I guess I don't know what I was doing. I, I just, I, I stopped real late. And I probably came closer to the woman than the people came to me. And she was like, what's wrong with you, you jerk? And I'm like, and, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I had already said that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Said, what's wrong with you, you jerk? Then I got mad because she wouldn't accept my apology. <laughs> so when somebody cuts me off, and I'm like, I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? Or I want to, like, lay on my horn, which I used to do, early, again, early on in driving. So this was decades ago, but I would lay on that horn. But what's, what's the fruit of that, though? On me. Not on them. They don't even know what's going on. Right? They're just going on about their day. But me, I'm, I'm sowing to something. One of the things that I'm sowing to, to verse 8. I'm sowing to anger. I'm sowing to wrath. I'm sowing to malice. The other, I'm not slandering them. Well, I could be slandering them, but I don't, let, I don't think filthy language comes out of my mouth, um, the, the kind of language you probably would naturally think about, so I'm not. That's, but, but look at that. Those things, and those things don't just leave. Have you ever noticed that? It's like a sour taste in your mouth when you tasted something and the, the taste lingers after you swallow it. So if, you, if we sow to these things in, all, in nuanced kinds of ways, my experience is that it sticks with me. You may not be like me. Maybe you, maybe. So, so I find it easier not to sow to it. Find it easier not to sow to it. 
So I'm not, I'm not trying to put on anything close to it. I don't want to get mad with the I don't want to. Now, that doesn't stop me. Again, after the, the car almost hit me, it's like, oh, man, right now I want to slap you. I, 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 I want to fight right now. Now, I mean, I, I was talking to some brother the other day. Now, man, I don't think I can fight. So I don't know why I would want to fight anybody because I'd probably be gassed out after about three, four punches. And that's if they even connected on anything. And then they might just connect softly. So it's like, man, you know what? Why would you even want to fight? But it's because it's natural, though. Therefore, because it's natural, it needs to be put to death and it needs to be taken off, right? Verse 8, but now put away all of, put put away all of the following. So it's not only put to death those things that come first, but then it's like, okay, but you know what? Now put these other things away as well. So what is it that you need to put away so that you can be a loving person? What is it that you need to put to death? What is it that I need to put to death? For me, I find that I, I need to stop, like, don't even, like, move in that direction. Because it's all too easy to just get caught up. And believers, we shouldn't get caught up. I remember someone saying that if we drift, we're usually not drifting toward the Lord. We're drifting away. We're drifting in the opposite direction. Therefore, we have to make sure that we, not, we are drifting, but that we're paddling in the direction that we need to be moving in and putting off what we need to put off is key to growth in the Lord. So even as it relates to being loving, we need to put some things off. But we also need to make sure that we put things on. So it talks about the things that we need to put on. Verse 12. So remember when Pastor Kurt talked about using passages of scripture to help us evaluate our love. So that's another way that we should look at this passage. What things do I need to take off that will position me to be more loving? What things do I need to put on that will position me to be more loving? So I think this passage, especially beginning in verse 12, gives us some things that we need to put on. Compassion. Sticking with the grandparents and grandchildren type love. We went out somewhere yesterday and came back in and, 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 and one of the grandchildren had bumped their heads or something. And as soon as we came in, they were like, Grandma, um, can you look at my head? I, I, I ran into something. They didn't come to me because they would have been like, hey, man, you know you good, man. You know you're all right. But they came, they came to grandma because they knew they were going to get that compassion, right? So grandma, grandma looked at, oh, you got a little. And then grandma, made, you know, she didn't, she made a big, to me, she made a big deal about it. But to the grandchild, it was just like, it, it was all love, man. Oh, grandma, thank you. Yeah, rub my head, kiss it, grandma. Now, why, why, do they, why do they want you to kiss it? We already know that joint does not kissing really doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really fix the problem. But when you feel that love, though, it, it, it just helps out a little bit. But they always want that and, of course, a Band-Aid. A Band-Aid heals everything, right? Yeah. Give me a Band-Aid. <laughs> Kindness. Kindness. Are you characterized by being kind? Am I characterized by being kind? It's also a fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, it's explicitly called one in Galatians chapter 5. Humility, 
gentleness, patience, forgiving is are these components of our love because if they're not, they need to be. We need to put them on. So we need to, and then we just, and so that's, those are in specific ways, but just in general, we need to take off some things and we need to put some other things on. We need to see the things that sow or contribute, that, that contribute to us being unloving and take those things off, right? But then another thing we need to do after we put those things on, or if, we, if it's hard for us to put them on, I'll tell you something that, that I did that's, that's not, it's, it's in the passage, but we didn't read it. It's, it's sort of in the passage. If you um, look at uh, verse 16, um, it talks about how we should let the word of Christ dwell richly among us. This is talking about the community of believers and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude, to God with gratitude in our hearts. Okay, so there, I think there is a communal aspect to putting on love that also looks like not exactly what this said, but like we can learn from each other. So maybe you aren't the most humble person. Then you look for somebody in the church that's humble and you start learning from them. You aren't a compassionate person. Man, not all that compassionate. But I look at grandma and I'll be like, man, you know what? I should do that. So if somebody comes, comes is, so last night somebody comes up, where's grandma? Oh, well, grandma, she's doing something. Well, can you read this to me? Nah, babe, I need to finish my search. Yeah, I'll read it to you. I'm trying to learn. And I also know that, like, it's not going to, that person's not going to be five for all their life. So, like, right now, like, get as much of that as you can, granddad, because you don't know when it'll be like, yeah, man, uh, granddad, can I get $5? And that's all they want granddad for, right? <laughs> I've heard people say it's happened. Of course, I haven't experienced that. But, but, but you, we learn from other people. You learn from other people. You don't know how to love a particular kind of person. You learn from how other people interact with that kind of person. In the, that's one of the benefits of being in a, in a, in a multicultural church is that we aren't all the same. So even our definitions of what respect looks like can be different. And can I learn from that? I think I can learn from that. I've tried to learn from that. Yeah, I've tried to learn from that. Does look at, man, look at how he loves his wife. I don't love my wife like that. I don't do that for my wife. Man, maybe I should. Okay, I'm going to try that. Okay, man, look at how he interacts with his kids. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm not like that with mine. I'm, I'm going to try to do that. Lord, help me. Because that looks humble. That looks compassionate. That looks kind. So even if we don't have these things because of our natural bent or whatever. We do have the spirit of God. And the same spirit of God has helped my brother or sister achieve a certain, uh, the ability to just be characterized by a certain virtue. Because God says I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to look like this. I'm supposed to look like 
a compassionate person, a kind person, a humble person, a gentle person, a patient person. I'm supposed to be able to forgive. Um, Some of these things could come natural, but all of them don't. And coming natural is the things that come natural isn't enough. It's not enough for us to be like, okay, well, yeah, this is just, I've always been like this. Cool. I don't really want to know how you always been. If it's just in your genes, like, man, you, you just maybe have better genes than me. So there's no hope in that for me. But if you let me know that, this, yeah, you know, maybe you have always been like it, but the Lord did something that, that made that just like amped it up like 10 times more after you got saved, then, then that's the part I want to hear about because I have access to the spirit. I don't have access to your genes, to your DNA, but if the spirit of God is in me, then I have access to what he has to offer. One of the reasons why we don't go in the closet to put on what we need to put on is because in our culture, we just are so driven by feelings. So we want to feel the love, man. We want to feel like we're doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm, hey, me too. I said we. I want to feel like I'm doing the right thing. I want to feel like, okay, my brother, I know, man, you could have just been distracted so you almost hit me, man. God bless you. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I want to be like that. But instead of it being like that, it's like, man, what you do? It's 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 a fight. It's like I gotta walk. I gotta have to get up and walk to the closet, pick it out, and put it on. Right? Like that's what I I have to do. It's not just like magically floating from me to me because it knows I need it right now. Oh yeah, here comes humility. Ah. Oh, you need some compassion right now. Yeah, man, I'm feeling that. No. I have to say, man, right now, I want to jump through that windshield and I want to do some. And then, what fruit of the Spirit is that? See, that's, 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 that's the battle right there. That's, that's like somebody taking a machete and just, shh, what fruit of the Spirit is that? Wow, yeah, that's a great question. It's not, it's not a fruit of the Spirit. Lord, please help me. Bless that person to not hurt anybody <laughs> and to safely get to where they need to go. Because who knows, who really knows what they're going through? I I don't know. I you know to this moment I don't know, but I do know that my feelings are going to respond in a way that is most natural to it or to them. And I know that the reason we have to fight the good fight of faith is because it does not work. That our that that the things we need to put on just float magically to us in the in the moment that we need it. But we have to fight to to get ourselves away from whatever it is that we need to put off. We have to take it off. We have to unbutton it. We got to do whatever we, or take it over our head. Whatever we need to do, we have to get it off of us and we need to put on what God calls us to. And in this series, what we're talking about is love. 
So I hope that you have answered the question now that you've had, you know, months to think about the way you want to be loved so that you can be that way toward other people. And like love is something that we learn to do as well. It's not, again, it's not like, like just mentioned, it's not just going to come and boom, boom, bow. It's just, it is just there. It's there and that you can access it, but we have to access it. So we have to learn to love. We can learn to love by, by watching people. And we can learn to love by tweaking. Tweaking what, how we, how we love. So, so I, <laughs> I'll give you this, this example. I share this with my D group. But I remember once um, my wife and I had a conflict. Um, and, I mean, we've had many. It's almost 30 years. Um, so we've had many conflicts. But this one sticks out in my mind because of how helpful it was to talk about it afterwards. So, so I don't remember the, I don't even remember what the, the main issue was, why we were talking in the first place. But something was said that, that or, or done or there was something about to happen that, that made me sort of afraid. And I don't respond to fear uh, by being, oh, man, I'm scared right now. No, I usually respond to it in an angry way. Um, so as I was telling my wife, like, you know what, when you said this, I was thinking about how it would impact you. I was thinking, like, man, you know you're going to weigh yourself out. And then it, then it might have been, I don't, again, I don't remember the exact uh, words or but I do remember this one thing that my wife said. She said, right now as you're talking to me, you sound very loving. When we had our conflict, I couldn't discern love at all. My motivation was like I wanted to protect my wife. But the manner in which I went about trying to protect her, it didn't feel like love at all. So, what if your love is some, what if you realize like you need to tweak your love? One, being around truth where somebody can discern like, hey, you know what? I hear you, but like that's not my experience of you. Because if I really want to be loving, I, wanna, I, want to, I want to come across loving. I don't want it to be mistaken for anything else, right? So we may have to tweak along the way, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, right? That, that, that book was called The Five Love Languages. Now, there are probably more than that. They're nuanced. It's like, it's like that's why are there are all these personality tests. Why? Because you really can't nail down exactly what everybody is like. So we have to find ways to, to, to make sure that um, our love, for the mo and generally speaking, comes across as love to other people. So what we do to make sure that that happens is we learn along, we pay attention to like, was this, this is how you can pay attention. You can ask. You can ask in your D group, do I come across as a loving person? Is your experience of me one that you would categorize as a loving experience or is it something else? You can ask other people, what does love look like to you? Biblical love. 
And then so you can ask someone like, hey, you know what? Would you describe me as a compassionate person? Do you experience kindness from me? Do you, when you see me, do, does it look like I'm a patient individual? See, these are ways we can take And then, and then if, 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 if it's lacking, we can ask, especially if we know the people well and have experiences with them, we can ask, well, what would patience look like in that scenario you just laid out? That you, you're telling me where I was impatient. Like, what do you think? So, so we have to be able to talk with each other, to tweak, because if we try to do it alone, you might grow some, but you're going to grow in a minuscule way. You're not going to grow in an acceleration. We grow in acceleration when we're in, in, the, in the body. You can, you know, grow and be isolated a little bit, maybe, if you have to. So I'm not saying nobody's growing during the pandemic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But I would say that because there's so many one another's and because of just how human beings are, it is community that's very helpful. And thank God for the technological ways in which we can remain uh, connected on some level. But we need to make sure that we pay attention to the opportunities that we have to grow in our love as well. Because a lot of people, the way you see their lovelessness is in their defensiveness when they're called out on something. There's always an excuse. Well, I meant this. I meant that. In the illustration I was talking about with my wife, well, I, I, I care about you. I love you. <laughs> but that's what defensiveness is like. I said I love you. Now be quiet. You know, that, that, that's, that's what defensiveness is like. That, that, that's what that's like. It's like that. It's, it's, it's a demand that you don't pay attention to what I'm doing, but you pay attention to what I'm saying. That you assume you know what I'm saying, despite the fact that it's coming out in a way that shows no love at all. So don't make excuses. <laughs> don't make excuses. Don't do that. I'm not saying do this with everyone, but there should be some people in your life that you could just share any and everything with. And they have a no excuses card that they can put out and be like, look, no excuses. You need to listen right now. Do you have that kind of person in your life? Do you have those kinds of people in your life? And do you automatically open the door for them to share with you? Because if you don't, chances are they won't. See, love is above all and it binds all things together because the love of God expresses itself in love for us. And loving through us. So God loves through us. He loves through us when we take off things that don't look like him. And we put on the things that do. He loves through us when we see the unloving action that we, or attitude that we have. And we have a question 
that might just go ahead and just cut that joint off at the knees. He loves through us when we do that. He loves, he, he is able to love through us when we tweak our love to the counsel of other godly people. Because that can begin to, to redefine uh, uh, some of the specifics of our love. And we get to the specifics of our love by looking at passages like this one, like passages like 1 Corinthians 13 and, 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 and seeing the, the different uh, uh, virtues that are highlighted and saying, does my love look like that? And he, he's able to love through us that when our love does not look like that, that we ask him, Lord, would you please help me to love in this manner? We do what we can, and we pray for what it seems like we can't. That's what we do. We ask God, if your heart is cold and dull, we say, Lord, my heart is cold and dull right now. I don't want it to be, but I can't change it. Would you change it? And that's not the end. Then we need to read God's word so that it can be changed. Right? So I'm pointing to that because that's, that's sanctification. And that's what this, this, this passage uh, tells us about. But it tells us about it. I mentioned something about like your, your genes or your DNA. The kind of love that we're talking about isn't just, as, as was mentioned in one sermon, it's not the kind of love that the world just has or that we have naturally, but it's motivated by the Spirit. So chapter 3 starts off by reminding us of the motivation for everything. And I love the way this, this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. In verse 17, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The only way that that's even possible, though, is if we have done what's in the first verse and the first four verses, which says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. So the, what, the kind of love we're talking about is not even possible without God. And if it's not possible without God, we need to proactively set our minds on things above so that God can do work on our minds and renew our minds so that we're not conformed to this world and have definitions of love that this world has, the 25 or whatever, the, all those books and all that stuff, have that working in our mind instead of what God, how God calls us to love. So we are not able to love the way God calls us to love without God. Therefore, knowing my need and my weakness, I know you've already heard from me, I don't like trusting God. Meaning like I don't like the fact that I have to be weak. I want to be strong. I want to be able to love like this. That's what I want. But I still got some things to take off. And I still got to fight to get to that closet and put on the things I need to put on. 
so that I can love the way God calls me to love. See, in this book of of Colossians, in in chapter 2, Paul, he talks about the things that people were trying to say, if you do this, then you're more spiritual. But they weren't talking about doing those things under the banner of Christ. They were talking about doing those things in addition to Christ. For us, our, 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 our change, our sanctification, our love, all of that is motivated by contact with God himself. And we love him and others because he first loved us. So we begin with how has God loved us. It's in Pastor Kurt's definition. That's the way we're seeking to love other people because love bonds everything together because God's love expresses itself in love to us and loving through us to others. So we have to access that love by putting things to death, by putting on what needs to be put on, and by setting our minds on the things of Christ So, how often is Christ in our thoughts? How much effort do we give to make sure that amongst all the voices that those other other names, as we sang, they fade away because we are proactively putting ourselves in position where we're engaging with God. It all begins with that. God, through Jesus Christ, Because if we don't, we won't grow in love. We'll hear messages we agree with, but we won't won't grow. So we have to do the beginning. We have to seek those things which are above what Christ is. We have to set our minds on those things, and we have to mull those over until they are in us, and we go to the closet. And we put on what we need to put on after we've put off what we need to put off. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Because, Lord, oftentimes it is not, for many, it's not, only, it's not just a matter of the will with some. It's just a matter of developing the skill to take off what needs to be taken off in the moment and put on what needs to be put on. I pray that in an increasing way, you would help us to be able to do that, that you would help us to notice that in the midst of situations where we were about to respond or where we even responded with with what we would do naturally, that we caught ourselves and we said, no, uh -uh, I'm going to take that off and let me put on something different. Let me put humility on right now, compassion. Let me not be rude right now. Let me not envy. Let me not rejoice in what's evil right now. Lord, I I pray that you would do work in our lives because we all need it. Would you do it for your glory and would you do it for our good? that we might glorify you in our life. May your love express itself through us as we love one another. Father, I ask you this in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, that we 
have access to love. Amen. Amen. All right. I don't know if there are any questions. It's a couple. A couple of them. All right. Well, thank you for the message, brother. You're welcome. Thank you. Good work. Good, good work. You mentioned verse 16 that says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and wisdom and teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, so forth. Is this passage saying that when we bring correction, we should do it through song? Like, you offended me, and I was hurt, and I was like... Hey, can you hit that joint again? Yeah, you offended me, and I was hurt, and I... How, how, how do you... Man, how the do Lord you, can use anything. He no. can, right? How, how do you take a verse like this and apply it? In terms of, because it's giving direction in here. It says that admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. How do we take this and apply that? Well, I think, um, thank you, whoever asked that question. Um, <clears throat> I think the way that we apply this is that we see that, you, we remember about the one another. So the, you know, the Hebrews uh, 10, uh, 12, I'm excuse me, 10, uh, 25, that talks about, you know, how we're supposed to spur one another on to love and good works. Um, I, I think we have to remember that we have a responsibility to one another to help one another be as godly as we can be. That our Christian life is not one that's just lived in isolation or alone, but that, that there is, we are part of a body. Um, I, I use this illustration uh, when I'm talking about church membership but like no no one would be happy to just see a body part like laying all alone that's not even right even the thought of it is just like you might be wanting to pass Mike what's wrong with you but um but we we aren't made to be be in isolation when God makes when he makes uh Adam uh he he's he notices like hey man Adam it's not you shouldn't be alone so he creates um, a helper for him. We all need helpers. So I think with the, in regards to this verse, I think that um, we definitely see that there is a, a necessity for us to contribute to the maturation of each other um, by bringing the word of God to bear on one in, in one another's lives, by being, by being brave enough and bold enough and loving enough to confront one another when necessary. And I would say that I believe that that is a a, a, a something in which we probably can grow in because we live in a society where um, if you don't affirm me, you don't love me. Yeah. Mm. And that's not always true. Right. Um, I might be I may not affirm you because I love you. Right. I can't I can't just I just can't be with you in your sin and I might love you enough to tell you that. So I think we have to be bold enough and loving enough to speak to one another and where necessary admonish one another um, obviously this one talks about doing it specifically through song and hymns and spiritual songs however um, uh, I would be I probably would laugh if somebody had a song like that uh, coming that like Kurt was just singing um, but the call to admonish is one that applies to all of us 
only let it be motivated by an understanding of God's word and God's word dwelling within us. So I think we all have a responsibility to make sure that we are, as a body, living in a way that glorifies God. So I think we apply that by being bold enough to communicate when we see something. And then I also think we also can encourage each other when we see something going right. So it's not just like, hey, man, I'm waiting for you to do something wrong. Oh, I got you. No, but it's like, hey, man, I really appreciate that uh, about you. No, scripture says that that is, is, is commendable. Scripture commends humility, and I see humility in your life. All right, so this one is sort of, I'm going to split this up into two, mm-hmm. even though I think it's one, they one and the same, other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. So the first one is, you mentioned uh, people going to others and asking, are they loving and getting that feedback and, and writing that. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend people talk to people who are not coming to them mm-hmm. and asking that question, but they have concerns that they're not loving? They're not gentle. They're not kind. They, they see these things consistently. So it's one thing to have them come, right? It's another thing to say, well, a lot of people will agree right now and then forget to do it later. So how, do you, how, how would you encourage someone to go to a person and say, hey, here's some, some concerns I have. So that's one side of it. So I'll let you answer that, then I'll ask the other side. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, yeah, I think um, that's a difficult thing to, to do. Um, but I think it's a necessary thing to do as well. So thank you for whoever asked that question. Um, I think we have to, one, um, settle in our own mind that this is something that God calls me to do as a fellow believer. Like, I'm called to this. Remember, uh, in, in, in talking about uh, through recalibration, we talked about how in Antioch, um, the, the city of Antioch, when the Christians were there, th- their culture was so different that they were called Christians there. So there's a Christian culture that scripture lays out that shouldn't, that should, you know, be something that we're characterized by. And when we see that we don't line up with that, we do have to be like Peter, like Paul was to Peter. Peter is, is, is an apostle just like Paul. But in the book of Galatians, when Peter comes down, um, Paul has to confront him and he confronted him in front of everyone. Now, we're not Paul, so I would say, you know what, don't confront in front of everybody um, I would say find a place to help this person to be comfortable. You think, you think about Galatians 6.1, right? You know, if anyone is overtaken in the fault, you who are spiritual, uh, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. So, so, so you, so it, and then it says, considering yourself, because you're going to have your turn too. Like this part, it's part, it's part of the culture. So, so, so your time will come, right? And so you, you, you try to, you know, if, you, if you've observed some things, you've probably been around them. You probably know how they communicate. Use all of those things to your advantage. If necessary, warn them. Like, just say, hey, you know, can we talk? Maybe not right now, but I have something that I'd like to, you know, like to talk to you about. Um, and then um, I've sometimes said, you know, <laughs> I've said stuff like uh, to my close friends, like, hey, brace yourself because I'm about to ask you something. Um, they know what that means. We had that rapport. So hopefully you had that rapport. If you don't have that rapport, you probably wouldn't even want to want to go forward, right? So um, so figure out like it's so I can't 
since I'm not in your relationship, I can't tell you what to say, but I can say like gentleness and awareness that, you know what, we all sin in many ways. Coming from that rather than from coming down the mountain when she comes, like, you know, like you're coming from on high. No, um, remember that, um, you know, you, you're going to be needing help next week. Just, you know, just remember that. So let your communication be that way. And then I think also another thing would be as, as best you can have scriptural support so that it's not just a matter of like you want them to be one way and that they're not that way, but have scriptural uh, support for where you're coming from. And I think that can help you. So you have to make sure that you embrace your own responsibility. Then it's technique. Then it's be gentle, have scripture, remember myself. You treat them the way you would want to be treated if someone were coming to you. So that's, that's, that's how I answer that question. Now, you may have alluded to this, but I'm still going to ask it. Um, so because correction sometimes can be a person insisting on their own way, how do you position yourself to receive like input from people, especially when you're struggling with feeling like, oh, I did do that. Like when I may disagree with this observation, like how do you humble yourself and, and, and receive correction in that situation? Yeah, I, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, it's obvious that we're striving to be like Christ, but we're not completely like him yet. So there are going to be ways that I need to grow um, that maybe I, I don't see and an awareness that there are going to be blind spots in my life that, um, that I'm just not going to see. So I mentioned that my car, I love my car. It, that, that wouldn't start for me the other day. But anyway, I love my car that has the, the things on the, on the mirrors that, like, alert you that somebody's, like, when you want to get in the right lane, it, the light will just start blinking, like, don't go over there, somebody's there. For years, I've driven like I had to look back, you know, look over, look back a little bit. Um, I've, I've driven, so I'm a, I am definitely appreciating that. But, like, man, we, 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 we spiritually speaking and just, like, you know, the, com the composition of human beings, we don't have that, that alert thing within us. The Holy Spirit helps us, but there's still going to be a blind spot that you, I, need other people to say, hey, I noticed this. I remember once I, I had spoken to my son in a certain way, and Kurt was like, hey, man, you know, when you said, now my, I think my son had did something wrong, something that needed to be corrected, but the tone that I used was one of indignation. So Kurt was faithful, like, hey, man, you know, when you were talking to Angelo, man, to me it sounded like you, were, you, were, you had a tone of indignation. So I thought about it. I was like, man, you know what? I see how Angelo could have felt that way. So it's thank you, and then it's like, hey, go to Angelo. Hey, man, I'm sorry. And then, it's, and then it's watch it. It's like, okay, so somebody's alerted me to something that's in my blind spot, right? I come from, I come from a culture where children obey and that's what you do, right? So you usually parent out of what you, how you were parenting, right? So that's what he heard. So it's like, okay, I'm from that, you know. So so it's like, it's so so I'm positioning myself because I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not. So I start with that. I'm not perfect. What they're saying could be true. 
okay, now if what they said is true, then thank you for coming to me because this was, I had to be, you know, awkward or, you know, whatever. Um, and for me, it's, um, it should, if I'm going by the one, two, three, like the textbook, because I don't know how often I do this, so that's why I point that out. Um, but it's, A, when you, if you see it again, can you let me know? That, that's another thing. That, again, that opens the door for people to be able to come back and say something. And it opens the door for when the person doesn't see it to be like, you know what? Man, I've really seen you grow in this area, and I just want to encourage you. But I think unless we position ourselves to receive correction, it's highly unlikely that we'll receive it from people, that people will give correction. Because it's a challenge for them to come, come to. Now, for the people who need to bring correction, you have to be bold, <laughs> right? You have to, like, it is something that God calls you to. Pastor Kurt and I are convinced of this about uh, what church culture is supposed to look like. Having said that, that means that on the flip side, we need to be open to receiving correction from other people as well. Because we have blind spots and we're not perfect. That's a good word. All right, two, uh, this one isn't a question, but just a statement for you. It says, great illustrations to amplify the word. Now we have several visuals of how to grow daily in love. Your prayers were answered. Thank God for using you again. I'll just encourage you in that. Thank and you. another one, this is like Tony, Tony, Tony. It just says, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it never rains in Southern California. <laughs> well, thank the, you, Pastor Kurt, for uh, taking up the philosopher uh, Tina Turner's uh, words and making it a series. What's love got to do with it? a lot of proverbial wisdom I, from I, Tina. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> What what is the what's the is is we've heard the phrase we've heard the phrase love love the sinner not the sin how does that play out in in what you're describing well I think it plays out um, in this way um, no one in this room. Um, and no one with the exception of, of Jesus was born saved. <laughs> None of us. We're all, as the King James says, born in sin and shaping in iniquity, uh, David says in Psalm 51. Um, so an awareness of, you know, I mean, and I love that Paul says so many times, you know, First uh, Corinthians 6, he says, you know, uh, 11, lists all these sins that will not, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God, beginning in verse 9, but then in verse 11 he says, and such were some of you. So I think an awareness of the fact that, you know what, the Lord, like I'm not saved because I'm good. I'm not saved because of that. I'm saved because, because God is good. And then while this person has breath, while they still have like their cognitive, the, the, the opportunity to be saved is, is there for them. Even in the passage we read today in Colossians 3, it talks about how we were, uh, the King James says, children of disobedience, right? And the wrath of God, it was coming on us. So we're aware that wrath is coming. 
So I think what we, what I do is like, how many people want wrath to come on them? Nobody that I know wants wrath to come on them. So I try to speak to people out of the awareness that, but for the grace of God, I'm sitting where you're sitting and you're sitting where I'm sitting. But also the grace of God is available so you can come on over here and sit with me because of Jesus. So I want to let them know, uh, and I remember, in Romans, I remember that it's God's kindness that has drawn me to repentance. Therefore, I try to show God's kindness toward them because there will be a day of wrath. But it'll be for rejecting God's kindness. So that would be how I would... uh, try to think through like how I'm supposed to love this person. Those are categories, functional categories for how I view people who don't know the Lord um, and how I pray for them and try to interact uh, with them so that I'm not acting like I'm the Lord and you better agree with me so you can sit up here with me. All right, just the last one. I think this might be a, a good summation as to, because you kind of think said this in different parts, but it, it's a good summation is uh, for the person who struggles with bringing things up because they feel like, oh, I'm not going to say it the right way. They may not be loving and they hinder themselves from being faithful to bring things up because they think they may not be loving. Uh, and they it sounds like they talk themselves out of doing that. Mm-hmm. How, how would you encourage them to press through that? When they evaluate their own, I'm I'm not going to be loving when I bring Mm, this correction mm -hmm, up. mm -hmm. And then so they end up not doing it. Well, I think that the categories I mentioned before can be very helpful just to remember how you would want someone to speak to you. You know, that you could be the person caught. You know, the the Galatians 6 is is nice because it talks about... You know, being overtaken in a sin. I think the King James says you're ensnared. So I think when we talk, when we think about people and their need to repent, especially in the body, that we realize like this is this is, in some sense, y'all in here can see this. I don't know if you, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to see it. They're like they're, they're caught up. So they're like, you know, behind these bars. You know, if you're looking at me like that, they they they're caught right now, and any of us can be caught. So if we think we're not going to be loving or we or, or I think one thing we do is we try to rehearse what we're going to say so that we use words and tone that's loving um, so that we're not. I mean, what we really want to I mean, and you go into the person should be out of love, obviously, um, but we want to make sure we're avoiding being self-righteous. So, so that's so that's where we just hopefully are aware. If you're if you're afraid that you're going to be unloving, then you probably recognize the presence of of self righteousness or the potential for self righteousness. So you have to be aware of that, and you have to remember how you would want someone to speak to you. Again, it's the same the same thing that Pastor Kurtzman is saying because Scripture is the same, right? I'm going to speak to others the way I would want to be spoken to. And if they get defensive, then, then you have to play out scenarios. If they get defensive because I'm coming in love, you still have to remember 
the potential for self-righteousness is there. So don't let that push you over into self-righteousness. So, um, and I think, you know what? Your job is not to convince them. Your job is to point it out. They are the ones who have to repent of whatever it is they've done. So it's okay even if you say, you know what, well, um, you know, if you leave it at, like, you know what, um, hey, you know, thanks for listening to me. I don't, even if you don't agree with where they come out, you can say, I don't agree with where you're coming out, but I'm praying that God will show us, you know, will show you if you need to uh, grow or show me if I'm wrong. Um, and, um, you know, I still love you and thank you. And uh, hopefully that person is mature enough to appreciate you. And if they're not, because they may not be, you just talk to God about it. And then if you have friends and you see that there's a, you know, something between you, then you can, well, you'd have to go back to them again and say, like, hey, is everything okay? You know, our conversation, I know it was tough, um, but, like, are, are we okay relationally? Because, again, I came to you out of love. You could even reference, like, the fact that we've, we've said, Pastor Kurt and I both have said, like, we need to grow in this. So, I mean, faithfulness to, um, you, know, um, you know, listening to your leaders includes, like, execution. Not, uh, not agreement, not affirmation. That's not, that's part of it, but it's not the whole. So you can reference that. Like, you know, I'm trying to be faithful to grow and for us to be the community we need to be. Um, so um, I hope me pointing that out wasn't uh, something that would make us something different than that, than brothers and sisters. Um, so uh, I'll still be praying. And um, I love you and want our relationship to even be better than what it was. And then, you know, that's that. But rehearsing things can be very helpful um, so that it's not just like out of emotion, um, and which is always, which is more natural for people, I think. So don't think it unnatural to rehearse because you're trying to protect yourself from being self-righteous and you're trying to protect yourself from uh, coming across in an offensive manner to someone who they could be wrong. As Pastor Curtis said so many times, when people don't want you to talk to them, even a whisper is too loud. That's a reality. We'll be praying that that isn't our reality, though. So thank you guys for Amen. listening. Thanks for the questions. And uh, we'll see if the team, the Washington football team, can beat the Giants uh, today. Um, we shall see. That would be from the Lord. That would be. I mean, goodness.